Can you treat depression and anxiety using medication and still be living in truth? If medication isn't a principle of truth, then what is it? What types of filters can I sift my questions through in order to be centered when deciding which direction to go in managing my depression and anxiety? With so many living in a state of panic, these are very pertinent and important probing questions. Hello everyone, I am your host, Ruby Frankie. Welcome to another episode of the Connections Podcast, where we help you create joy in your life and relationships. Start your training today at connectionsclassroom.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Connections Coaching, or join our private Facebook group, Moms of Truth with Jody and Ruby. This mom writes in a very important question. And it's one that I am sure some of you have been asking. And like any of the questions that are on Moms of Truth, we look at principles. So this mother writes and she says, help. My daughter has been prescribed antidepressants from her GP. So general practitioner, I think that's what GP stands for. I don't know what to do in accordance with truth and feel that medication is not a true principle, but I need answers. So here's a mom who is conflicted. She has a general practitioner that I'm assuming you have trust with. That's what you're going to want to look at as well as how well does this general practitioner know you? How well does this general practitioner understand your daughter? Is this a trustworthy, is this an honest, responsible and humble practitioner? Jody just got eye surgery that she shared in one of her videos, and she said that the first thing she looked for in her eye surgeon was honest, responsible, and humble, which isn't something you would normally look for in a doctor, at least not when you're living in distortion. When you begin living in truth, you understand that that is the leading factor in your friends, in your associations, in the job that you choose, and even in the practitioners that you put your uh, body in the trust of. And so make sure that you are with a doctor that you really admire and feel safe and comfortable with. And this mom is also conflicted. She's saying, I, I have this prescription for my daughter to go on antidepressants, And I'm also wanting to live in truth. Can you do that? Can you take medication and be in truth? That's what I want to talk about today. So she goes on and she said, they say the medication will allow her to lead a healthier, leaner lifestyle. However, that would be a good thing. So I don't know what this mom is referring to when she says leaner and healthier. Um, That would lead me to think that this daughter is overweight and how to what degree how much I'm not sure this mom is wanting to know can you give this daughter antidepressants and be in truth so let's break this down and slow it down so first you have principles of truth principles of truth are eternal they're never changing and they're consistent So honesty, responsibility, and humility are the basic principles. And from there, you also have forgiveness and compassion and gratitude and um, 
competence. Competence is a, is a principle. You have empathy, you have commitment, and the list goes on and on. You can have thousands and thousands of principles. Now, medication. What is medication? Medication is a modality of management. You and I have many modalities of management. Um, the, the lawnmower is a modality of managing my lawn. It's a way of me being responsible for the yard that I purchased. Um, I love the washing machine. The washing machine is a modality of management. I, I can't even imagine managing my home without a washing machine. I'm sure you have modalities of management that you absolutely feel like you need. Um, how about a car? How about a phone? What about um, a vacuum? How about your job? There are many modalities in which we manage our lives. The toothbrush, uh, toothpaste. I mean, we could just list thousands upon thousands. The computer, I mean, right now alone, I'm using a camera stand that's holding my phone. So I'm managing my responsibility to produce content using uh, a camera stand. I've got a phone set up. I have a, a little Yeti mic set up over here for my uh, to make this into a podcast as well. And I've got my computer going and I have a chair that I'm sitting in. Look at all of these modalities that are allowing me to engage in my responsibilities. Now, is the computer a principle of truth? No. <laughs> is, is my chair a principle of truth? No. Neither is the washing machine and neither is the phone and neither is, you know, this camera stand. They're simply elements that I am choosing to utilize to get um, with, with the end goal of being responsible. And, you know, if, if my washing machine broke and I, for some reason, couldn't find another washing machine, I could find other ways to be responsible. I could go to hand washing the clothes probably wouldn't be the most glamorous and it would take more time and I could find other ways of being responsible. So modalities of, of management are neutral. Is a, is a phone distorted or is a phone truth? It's neutral. It's an inanimate object and depending on my motive of how I use it, I could be in truth or I could be in distortion. So let's say I take my phone and I use it to be destructive. Let's say I look up pornography. That's a destructive, distorted use of the phone. Or I could use the phone as I'm doing right now, which is producing content, which invites the world into principles of truth. That would be a very truthful motive for using my phone. This, this mother, she hinted toward an eating uh, habit or, or overeating because of the word lean. So let's look at food. Food is a modality of management. We have a physical body in which we are responsible. I am responsible to keep my body well rested, to keep it fed, to empty it. I am responsible to use my body in healthy ways that give it exercise and stretch the muscles and strengthen the muscles. And I can eat in distortion, 
which means I'm I'm putting meaning on the food or I'm putting responsibility on the food that that isn't in truth. So if I'm really sad and I go and my motive for eating Oreos or my motive for eating Ben and Jerry's or my motive for for eating five plates of pasta is to distract me from my emotions, now I know I'm in distortion. If I go to food with the motive of giving me energy for the day and giving me enough um, strength that I can attend to all my duties, and so I think of a well-balanced meal that has nutrition inside of the food that I know I can digest, that would be a motive in truth. Exercising. I can exercise in truth or I can exercise in distortion. Um, Exercising in truth would be a motive of wanting, again, to strengthen, to stretch, to build resilience, um, and a motive for not exercising. There's a lot of people who don't exercise. I don't know if your daughter is in this category, uh, but some people avoid exercising for a various variety of reasons. So let's go to medication because medication is not a principle of truth. Medication is, it's neutral. And depending on your motive, it could be in truth or it could be in distortion. Let me give you some examples. Let me give you an example of someone who uses medication in distortion and then someone who uses medication in truth. And then I'll give you an example of someone who doesn't use medication at all. So all three. Okay, so I know of a woman who there is a specific place that she goes to and she wants to go there. Um, She goes there for um, social reasons. She goes there for expectation reasons. She goes there for uh, religious reasons. She goes there for, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a habit in her life and she she has chosen to keep it in her life and she gets super anxious when she goes super anxious her heart rate goes up she has an anxiety attack she um, sweats she uh, doesn't eat as as this time comes that she knows she's going to go and so she has gone and gotten um, some medication where she can take the medication and it it helps suppress these feelings. It helps her so that she doesn't go into these anxiety attacks. So why is that distorted? Didn't that help her? Didn't the medication allow her body to rest to the point where she could follow through with going to this place that she's committed to going to? Isn't it helping her be responsible to keep her commitments? Well, if you just look at the outcomes, yes, you could you could make that argument. When you're living in truth, though, you're not just looking at the outcomes. So this general practitioner, it makes sense why he would prescribe a, an antidepressant if he feels that that would help her have a leaner, more healthy lifestyle, if that would help her uh, engage in society or engage with her friends in a healthier manner. And... It's important to look at the, um, the motive and it's important to see, is she addressing the fear behind what she's experiencing? 
Do you like what you're hearing so far? Make sure you never miss a show by subscribing to our podcast now or go to connectionsclassroom.com and click start training. So I happen to know this woman who has been taking these, um, this medication and she's been on it for years. And I, I asked her once, I said, you know, what, what exactly is it that gets you so anxious about going to this place? And she said, huh, I, I don't know. And I said, interesting. You've been nervous and anxious about going to this place for decades. So much so that you have anxiety attacks and you, you don't actually know what it is that's, that you're afraid of or that's causing this rise in emotion. And she said, huh, no, I've never thought about it. So taking the medication in and of itself wasn't distorted. The distortion was that she was unwilling or didn't know how to look at her fears. She, she was invited by me uh, to look at her fears and she, no, no, thanks. I don't want to. No, that's uncomfortable. I'd rather just take my pills and keep going. I know it works for me. So she's in a state of denial because she's denying, she's putting blinders up as to the real source of the distortion. Now, let me give you a motive in truth. Is there ever a time to use medication and it's in truth? Yes, absolutely. And one of those examples is in my family. So my husband, he's been a fairly healthy guy. <laughs> when we got married, um, he was a, a student of engineering and he graduated with his degree. Uh, we had children and he went on to get his master's degree and we had more children. And we had a series of unexpected events. It was 2008. Um, he, he knew he needed to get another job. We moved across States. I had another baby. He started, uh, his PhD program and it just was a lot. It was a lot. And we downsized from a, a, a home that we just thought was our dream home. And we downsized back into student housing with four children that, that was, um, getting kind of dark. And he went into a depression around the third year. He had one year left of graduate school and he was shutting down. He was shutting down. He wasn't wanting to get out of bed when he did get out of bed, which he always kept his responsibilities. He just would have these panic attacks. So he went and he got professional help and he was diagnosed with clinical depression and anxiety. And he was given a prescription to manage these physiological responses. He was given medication to manage the chemicals that were in his brain. And he was able to finish his last year at school. And because that medication bought him some time, he was able to keep all of his commitments. He was able to continue working and supporting his family. He was able to use medication to manage himself so he could show up and be responsible. Now, after he graduated and that um, eminent deadline was over and he had more time, he, he began to slowly wean off and begin taking responsibility for um, the inevitable pain 
the inevitable pain of life of having a full schedule because um, surprise, surprise, those adults who have gone to graduate school and tell themselves the distorted story that, oh, when I graduate, life's going to get easier. (laughs) It did not get easier, as you well know. And so instead of relying on medication, he learned to manage using principles, which does take time. And so I'm, I am very grateful that he was able to manage that last year in graduate school. Now, I told you I would give you a third example of someone who did not use medication. In fact, I have two examples. So I had a little girl who used to come visit my home on a pretty regular basis. And we had a grandma dog in our home and she was very calm, um, very, um, I mean, the, the little kids could crawl on her and she would just, she'd never retaliate. She'd never bark. She wouldn't ever go after a child. I knew she was a safe dog. And this little girl would come over and she was terrified. I mean, terrified, scared to death of dogs. And her mom came over and um, modeled for her what it was like to be around a dog who wasn't aggressive. And I don't know if this little girl had experiences with an aggressive dog, and that's why she was projecting this fear onto my dog. Um, But whatever the reason was, she was terrified. And so her mother invited her, and, and she just watched from a corner. She put herself up in a corner, and, and then her mom, she watched her mom pet our dog, and she was a, a big Labrador. Uh, her name was Nolly. And she'd say, hello, Nolly, it's good to see you. And and then um, <laughs> and then this little girl would actually go into our house around to the back door because she didn't want to pass the dog in getting to the rest of the house. So this happened, and this went on for several weeks, and every time the mom would come over, she would, again, show the daughter how to interact with this mild-mannered dog. And this daughter, this her daughter, this little girl, her chemicals in her brain were, were totally affected. She was perceiving, this little girl was perceiving danger. She was perceiving that this dog was a threat. Maybe she perceived that her life was on the line. And because of those perceptions, she had these anxious feelings. And she had, she had chemicals in her body because of it. And it took her quite a long time when she was at our house to come down from it. After about three months of this modeling, she finally got to the point where she perceived in the truth. She perceived this dog for what the dog was. She gained many, many experiences of being safe around our dog. And it got to the point where she would just get down on, on her knees and play with our dog and rub behind her ears and scratch her belly. And so she was able to manage her emotions without using uh, medication. And she was able to manage it instead by using principles of truth. One more example of a little boy. So I know of a little boy when he was seven, he had an infection in his left leg and it became abscessed. And he was told that his leg was going to need to be amputated. They found a doctor who was willing to go in and cut out fragments of the infected bone in an effort to save the leg. 
When the doctor came to do the procedure, he offered this little boy medication that would numb him out, that would um, sedate him. And he said he did not want anything interfering with his mental state, with his ability to think, with his ability to feel. And he was willing to go through the pain in order to avoid the medication. He asked his family to be in the room and he was able to get the support he needed by holding hands with family members as the operation went through. And he did save his leg and he did go through the operation without any medication. Now I know that's a a real extreme example. Uh, I don't know of any seven-year-old who would want to do that. Um, I have children who don't even want to go to the dentist without some, some type of sedative to calm them down. So this is where you get to decide on if medication is in truth or not by really being honest about your motives. Now, when you make the decision um, to use medication, you are making a commitment. So commitment is a principle of truth. You are committing yourself to this medication. And when I say committing, I don't mean you're giving yourself a life sentence to always be on this medication. What I mean by commitment is you're making a choice. You're bringing medication into your body or uh, into your daughters or your sons if you're a parent of a child and, and you've made that decision. And there are going to be consequences. So in decision making, in making a commitment, there are uh, patterns to look for patterns to, to ensure that you are in truth when you make this commitment. So the first thing is you need to know what your decision is that you're making. What, what is, what is the choice here? Because you can make the choice in truth or you can make it in distortion. And this mom is very clear. She has shared with us that she's very clear on what that decision is. And that is, she has a daughter who, um, she's looking for a healthier lifestyle. She wants to be leaner and, she's in a depression. Now it is your responsibility to gather information, gather information around medication, gather information around principles of truth, gather um, information around changing diet, changing lifestyle choices, changing the way she exercises, maybe um, gather information around who is surrounding her. What kind of people does your daughter interact with? What are her teachers like? What is her experience like in extracurricular activities or with um, leaders at church? Has she had interaction with family members? It is part of the gathering process to know the environment of your child. Your environment really will affect the chemistry that you have. It affects the way you perceive it. It affects the way you feel. So those are really important pieces of information for you to gather. I remember um, one of my children uh, began going into a depression themselves. And as I got curious around the environment my child was in, there were a lot of things I found out that I had no clue about. One of them was a book that was required reading in in one of the classes they went to. And in the reading, it was, it was about suicide, which was shocking. I thought, how, how in the world is a school requiring this as reading? This is not classic reading. This is not educational. 
and I saw the effect. So know that that's part of gathering information. And then what you're going to do when you gather all this information around you, you're going to start sifting through it for principles of truth. You're going to say, you know, is this um, violating agency? If I were to uh, go this route, A, route A, is route A, is it infringing on my daughter's agency? Is it infringing on someone else's agency? If it is, then that would be a distorted option. So you can start sifting that out and say, well, you know, that, that was some great information, but I'm going to discard it because I want to live in truth. And then you, you narrow down all of your options based in principle. Once you have scoured and discarded the distortions and you have options in truth in front of you, you're going to want to get really honest, really honest around your motives. Is your motive to get your daughter leaner? Is that in truth or is it in distortion? I don't know your daughter's size. I don't know the health risks she's at. I don't know if she's a little chubby. I don't know if she's obese. I don't know, but you're going to need to answer that. Is my daughter losing weight? Is my motive for getting her to be leaner? Is that in truth or distortion? Um, and all of the other things that you're trying to address, is this in truth or is this in distortion? And then you commit to the outcomes, which means I understand that by making this decision, there are outcomes that I will also own. So no matter what the outcomes are, I don't get to make this decision and then have an adverse outcome and then say, oh, I'm not responsible for that outcome. When you make a choice, you are always responsible for the outcome. Now you can use that outcome and beat yourself up with it. Like, oh, I shouldn't have. Oh, I never should have. Oh, I'm a terrible mom. Um, look what I did to my daughter. And, and that would be in distortion. Use the outcomes to give you feedback. It's just giving you more information. You go back and you gather more information. You're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. And now you do know based on the outcomes that, okay, maybe this wasn't a good decision. Or maybe the outcomes will say, wow, this is really giving us a lot of time and I'm going to use this extra time to learn principles of truth. So the outcomes are also part of the decision-making process, which is difficult because you don't know what to expect. You, you have expectations. The, this doctor, this general practitioner definitely has an expectation. He's saying, if you take this antidepressant, she's going to have a healthier life. If she takes this antidepressant, she's going to be leaner. Well, studies might show that that is the case. And you don't know. You don't know for your daughter. So this is where risk comes in. So part of evaluating what you're going to do is you evaluate the risk. This is what we did when my husband went on antidepressants. He evaluated the risk and he said, yes, this is, this is worth the risk because I'm, I'm in a, in a bad state right now and I have a lot on the line and I'm, I'm willing to take that risk. So again, to give you a distinction, principles of truth address agency. Principles of truth are eternal. Principles of truth awaken the emotion where um, medication manages the emotion. Uh, 
medication will help manage the chemicals. It addresses the body and the brain, whereas principles of truth address the soul. Thank you so much for listening to the Connections podcast today. Share this podcast with your family and friends. And if you have not already subscribed, please subscribe to this podcast. You can find on-demand and live training at connectionsclassroom.com to help you create joy in your life and relationships. You can also find parenting support in our private Facebook group, Moms of Truth with Jody and Ruby. I'm your host, Ruby Frankie, and thanks for listening. 